Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Smash it up on a Sunday night. It's an 11-0 and edition, although it is tempered. Certainly still tempered as just about 24 hours ago uh, on Bobby Bowden Field, one of the most gruesome injuries in program history and certainly one of the most important injuries uh, in program history happened as Florida State defeats North Alabama going away. They scored the final 58 points of the game, but the cost was immense. He's Irish Chaffel, the managing editor of Warchant.com. My name is Tom Lang. And tonight we are going to document a little bit more about what we saw last night as Florida State improved to 11-0 on senior night. But then we're going to look ahead for it is not just Thanksgiving week. It is Florida week and Florida State is looking to complete its third perfect regular season 12-0 finish since 2013. And what an accomplishment it would be. A lot of it is on the back of number 13, Jordan Travis. Ira, good evening. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm starting to do a little bit better. Uh, last yeah. night, last night was a little shaky. This morning wasn't great, but yeah, I'm starting to starting to uh, I think start look moving ahead. Like I'm sure most uh, fans are. Yeah, the numbness is it's still there, man. Like it was last night for the post game show. You got to lock it in and, and discuss it, and then you're just like, damn. I mean, what a. It's just the most unfortunate end. Um, you know, Jordan did obviously walk out of the tunnel and he was honored for senior night. And Ira, I stuck around Hotel Indigo on the seventh floor. We had broken down, but I just wanted to hear the roar of the crowd in the distance. And, and from Indigo, you can see the big video board over the tunnel. So I just wanted to take in that moment uh, from a different perspective. And the crowd was so welcoming, as one might imagine, to all of the seniors. But Jordan was you know, saved for last uh, Jared verse flipped the alphabetical order so Jordan could come out last. It was a, it was an amazing moment. But then after that, uh, you know, you've had a lot more experience covering Florida State football than I have in terms of this type of way from the press box and different press conferences that are all kinds of zany to championship, weird Jimbo energy, like everything in between. This had to have been um, one that you didn't ever want to check off the list, but it had to be a different night for you last night. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it like. It was so unique. Um, thankfully, thankfully it's unique. Yeah. Um, because you know, man, we've all, if you watch sports, you'll see a gruesome injury. Um, and that's awful. It's the thing that stinks about sports and it's not only related, uh, you know, um, it's not like it only happens in football. You see them in baseball, you've seen them in basketball. You see, I mean, there are, you know, if people are playing athletics, there are th- chances that things could go wrong. Um, you know, the, there, there's only been a few really catastrophic leg injury type things that I recall since I've been covering Florida State, but none of them were really as visible. Like Crafonza Thorpe, um, when he went down um, in that game, I think it was NC State, I think, late in the game uh, where he ended up uh, having a compound fracture, but that wasn't seen. It was on the sideline and nobody saw it. You couldn't see it. This being in the middle of the field, right literally in the middle of the field, and the cameras obviously get it, and CW feeling the need to show it 20 times. So there was that aspect of it. But then you also, you know, you don't see it very often with like a, a superstar player like Jordan Travis. And, and so now you've got those two things where you've got superstar player who's so important to the team and the program and, and then the gruesome injury. But then you add on to it the layers of the fact that he, you know, what he means to this program over the last few years and how he kind of personifies the the turnaround of this program. 
Then the fact that he's like the face of the program, he's such a nice, likable kid that everybody likes and everybody loves. So you add that onto it. And then the fact that this team probably wouldn't be what it is if he hadn't decided to come back. You know, he could have either gone to the NFL last year or he could have gone to another team. He had NIL offers from other schools. He could have said, you know what, Florida State, you got four great years like Sam Hartman over at Wake Forest, and I'm now I'm going to go get paid, and I'm going to go somewhere else. And he didn't. He came back, and, and him coming back is what brought you Keon Coleman and Jaheim Bell and, and, and probably some players on, on the line and, and on defense as well because everybody wanted – they knew this team had a chance to do something really special. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't – I've never – I've covered sports for 30 years plus. I've never seen anything where, like, you had all of those elements yeah. into one situation – and um, yeah, man, it was, it was, I, I think, you know, just talking to people today, people around the program, the administration, and, you know, they're having a hard time with it. But, um, you know, I also think the nature of sports is such that they also realize that, you know, there's 85 other, 84 other scholarship players and 30 other walk-ons and coaches and staff members and all these other people who, um, you know, this program's not just about Jordan Travis and Jordan wants them to, to, to step up and, and, and rise to the challenge. And I, so I think they're they're making the transition uh, to that. Last thing I'll ask about last night, the way that you took it in, was it seemed like Mike Norvell in his press conference was prepared to power through it, and then he's asked about his emotional level when when it happened and and what he's thinking at that moment. You could kind of tell, you know, in the in, from watching it on War Chant TV, which you know after the show, everybody, if you've missed it, go ahead and, and see uh, Mike Norvell a couple of great moments, uh, like when he was told that Jordan Travis was posting support for his team uh, as the game was ending and you could see him light up and say, that's what Jordan is. That's who he is. But it seemed like the, he let the emotion rise to the surface a little bit there. Uh, Ira, what, what was it like covering those press conferences? Not just Mike Norvell's, but Jordan's teammates. Yeah. You know, I think, man, for, for sure. Mike Norvell is, is a, is a coach who's been doing it for a while now. And is somebody who's a leader of men, I mean, he knows he has to be, he has to be um, in control. And of his emotions and that's what he preaches. And I mean, for, so there's so many reasons he had to be strong for his teammates, just like any of us in our families, if something's going wrong, you know, you feel the need to be strong because you know, everybody else is going through it. Somebody has got to be strong. So he was definitely doing that. He definitely brought that mindset in. Um, but yeah, I think you're, you're right. I think, I think it was Corey asked him specifically how he felt in the moment. And I think that he allowed that to take him there for a second and he didn't get like, emotional like over the top but you could tell his voice was cracking a little bit and he kind of had to regroup a little bit and and yeah man those guys you know Mike Norvell and Jordan Travis are their legacies at Florida State are are completely intertwined and interlocked and so uh, there's just so much I mean you think about like I think FSU fans feel like you know Jordan Travis and we feel like we know Jordan Travis because we've covered him so much we've been around him imagine like their relationship yeah I mean they've probably they've probably been together more than any of us have ever been with our family members in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, it's just uh, once you get to adulthood and you, you have your, you're not just dependent totally on your parent. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, that relationship's incredible. And so uh, I can only imagine how difficult it was for him, but um, again, and I know we're going to be moving forward in this show, but like, I do feel like that because I think what's unique about this team is it wasn't, this wasn't like the Cam Newton Auburn team. Or the Tim Tebow Florida team, where you know you've got to ride Superman, you know, and, and Jordan Travis was phenomenal, but I do feel like because this was such a complete team throughout the course of the season, I think that maybe it'll make it a little bit um, easier for them, not easy, but easier for them, because I do feel like there's confidence in so many other aspects of the team. So I, I, I got to think when they get back to the football part of it, like they practice tonight. Um, and you know, had their walkthrough and practice tonight. Uh, you got to think that that's that's got to help. Well, the other thing that helps too, it, again, you know, it sounds right, but you're down thirteen to nothing in that moment. I get it's to an FCS team, but you've got to climb mm-hmm. out of it, snap out of it, get past it, and then make a statement. And they did all of those things. Mm-hmm. Jerryon Jones helped set the tone for Florida State on the defensive side of the ball. But seemingly after that strip sack and turnover, uh, Florida State offensively came to life a little bit. And one of the things that helped that, you know, we were talking in the postgame show, Ira, this is where it's great to hear from fans who are in the stands and, and their emotion level. Uh, Z-Chan had called in and he said it was at that moment that Lawrence Toofili scores just before the half in the 2013 team, the guys that were already on the field, surrounded him and celebrated around him. He said 
at that moment, it started to feel a little bit more in the building like it was a normal football game again. It never it never gets all the way back, but it was that moment that everybody kind of reset and it helped, you know, at least the fan base move forward a little bit. And that's what Florida State is going to have to do. And, and I'm fascinated, Ira, uh, because today you had a chance to sit down with a couple of outgoing Florida State linebackers and their families, the Bethunes and then uh, Kalen Deloach and his father, Rob, who is uh, ever present and ever positive on social media too around Florida State. But you were over there at the stadium. You were over there around the athletic facilities the day after something like this happens. And that's a unique perspective. What was that experience like? As we'll have the content for you on the other side of it. But what was that like today? And what was the atmosphere like? Yeah, you know, I, I this is something I'd set up last week, um, talked to Mr. Deloach and um, – and then through him, the 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 other parents, uh, Tatum Bethune's family and 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 Kalen Delicious family about their relationship and and kind of um you know it, it's been I think it's been neat to see those two guys become so close like they are as close as two football players can be. Tatum, Kalen and Tatum are like um, in the interview. I think I said like you know you want to say Batman and Robin, but not really because they're they're very equal. You know, there's not like one that's higher than the other. And um and and so I. Th- but the families are also super close and you've got the, the Bethunes are from Miami. The Deloches are from Savannah. Um, you know, they both have sports backgrounds, but you know, they've only been together for two years, but they're super close. And uh, so anyway, that's why I'd set it up. I wanted to do an interview. Aslan came over and videotaped the interview. It's really, I think it's going to be good content. I think people will enjoy it this week, but um, yeah, being over there. Yeah. I mean, they, they talked about um, how emotional it was for them last night, you know, because they, they're so close to Jordan and all these kids and, and Jordan's been such a positive, um, you know, young man. I mean, again, I think that puts it over the top. Not only is he a great player, not only is he their leader, but he's also such a likable guy um, that, you know, they, they were having a t- parents were obviously having a tough time with it. Uh, the next day, just being around the athletic facility and talking to a couple of people around the building. Um, yeah, man, they're, 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 I think exactly what you expect. I mean, the, the, they hate it for Jordan, but they also feel like this is a team that can still do a lot of great things. Um, now it's, it's, it's like that fine line between, okay, at what point do you start moving ahead and say, okay, now we've got the job at hand. And I think Jordan's helping that, right, with all these videos yeah. he's doing yes. and FaceTiming. He FaceTimed Tate last night after the game. He's FaceTiming players. He's putting out content on social media, encouraging them to fight for him on the field. They said, you know, when they were all crowded around him, he was telling them, I'm good. I'm fine. You guys go play. Yep. Um, and, you know, again, man, that's that's what you want to see from him. And now these guys have to handle it the right way and respond. You understand why guys wanted to come back, you know, that were on this roster last year to play with Jordan Travis when he decided that he was going to come back for 2023. You understand why Keon Coleman and, and Jaheim Bell wanted to be around a player like that on offense to help their own professional stock. You know, this is this was a bit business decision for those two players to come here. But now we're about to learn a little bit more. And we already have in the last 24 hours about Jordan Travis, the teammate, and why they care about him so much and why he was so emotional on the sidelines last night. We're going to learn a lot more in the next week or two. Uh, about who Jordan Travis is as a motivator and a leader and a supporter of Florida State. Because, Ira, as you said, you know, these guys came back because they thought this team could do something special. They already have, in a sense, because they're 11-0, and and they've got a chance to do so much more. It's all before them still, and what's what's fascinating is that a discussion we were going to have after the season was over, maybe into spring camp, through spring camp, was what's the future of Florida State's quarterback position? Well, if we thought it was going to be a, a, a two or three horse race in spring camp, that starts now. Tate Rodemaker has a chance, Ira, to lay claim to the to the reins of this program with what he does this week on the road to Gainesville, what he does the following week when Florida State takes on Louisville in the ACC championship. That is now assured uh, that in Charlotte, it's going to be Florida State versus Louisville. This is now Tate Rodemaker's offense. This is now Tate Rodemaker's program in a weird way, and it's it happened fast. It, it can happen in the, in the blink of an eye or in one play, but the opportunity before Tate is immense over the next two games. Without question, but I also think there's like a good and a bad to that. You know, the good the good part of that is, you know, Tate this week now is going to have an opportunity for Mike Norvell and Tony Tokars and Alex Atkins and that offensive staff to sit down with him and really focus on, okay, what is a Tate Rodemaker game plan? Because last night, you know, I'm sure they had – things that they wanted to go with Tate when he got in the game, whenever that was going to be. But it was different than going into a game with, this is your game plan. And so Tate's going to have that advantage. He'll have the ability to to speak up and say, I don't like this. I feel better about this. 
Uh, I think uh, I feel more comfortable doing these things. And so that's all really good. All week at practice, he'll get to work with the ones. Um, you know, he gets some action with the ones, but he gets a lot of action with with the twos. So it'll be good for him to to work with Keon and Johnny and Jaheim all the time at practice. When he's out there, he's going to be with the ones. Um, so that's great. The The other side of it, though, man, is I just – I think the, that, that topic you just brought up is going to be a challenge for him to handle because – the best chance for Florida State to win in Gainesville and probably the best chance for them to win against Louisville is him not trying to become the next big thing. Sure. Right? So I think that is going to be something that Mike Norvell has to be really cautious with in terms of like making sure Tate doesn't see this as, okay, I've got to be a hero. Because now, man, that's not – they need more of a caretaker, I believe. In these two games, I believe they need a little bit more of a caretaker. Now, he's got the big arm. He can make big plays. But I just feel like, you know – Florida State can win these games if they don't have a lot of mistakes. Um, so that, that's where I think they've got to focus, just kind of make sure he doesn't feel the need to be a hero. More than a 1,000 of you have joined us here on WarChan TV for Sunday Smash, presented by State Farm agent Russ Voorhis, longtime Knowles supporter, supporter of WarChant.com. Russ Voorhis' information is at the bottom of the screen here. But for those of you who are listening on the podcast on demand, two offices in the state of Florida, Jacksonville Beach and Orange Park. But Russ serves the entirety of the state of Florida, the entirety of the state of Georgia, as well as Alabama. Head to Russ Voorhis, V-O-R-H-I-S, RussVorhis.com today for more information and to explore all the services that State Farm agent Russ Forhis provides. We'll talk about him a little bit more in a moment. But Ira, I'm fascinated by this point. What you're saying is Florida State needs a bit more of a caretaker. And to a point, I, I, I agree, you don't need Tate to play hero because the variance for Tate, I think the highs might be a little bit higher in the passing game. The lows can be tremendously frustrating. We'll put it that way. Uh, we have seen so far to this point in Tate's career. But Florida State's in an odd spot for Tate to take over the keys to the offense. The running game is not nearly as consistent uh, as it was a year ago, let's say, when when he came in uh, in relief for the Louisville game. That that year and uh, 2022's running game was more explosive than it has been this year. And does Florida State need to provide style points over the next two weeks to overcome the stigma of losing your offensive leader, your MVP on offense, in the eyes of the playoff committee? Can you worry about that if you're Mike Norvell or, or are you just trying to get to 13 and 0 any way that you can the safest way you can? I think there's a lot of factors at play here because we know the discussion is coming this week as, as it pertains to playoff implications. Or do you think that just if you find a way with Tate a quarterback to go 13 and 0, you're going no matter what to the playoff. How would you assess that? Yeah, to me, I, I, I would discourage Mike Norvell from thinking that way um, about style points and he would never admit it if he was doing it. Um, but I think that could be a mistake because because the reality is if you're chasing that and you do things that might put your team in jeopardy, well, you you solve the problem for the committee by losing a game. And I'm not saying that they're going to lose either of these next two games. But to me, the most likely way of Florida State losing either of these two games is is doing things that get them beat. And when I say ter- caretaker for Tate Rodemaker, I'm not meaning like hand it off 50 times and only throw 12 passes all underneath. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying – you know, he, he has great playmakers around him. Like he's got Keon Coleman and Jaheim Bell and Johnny Wilson and Trey Benson. You've got some elite players, Keziah Holmes, all these other guys that getting them to the ball, getting the ball out of his hands quickly, getting it to the playmakers, letting them make those big plays is going to be a much surer way of winning than Tate dropping back, you know, 35 times and, and trying to force some balls in there because that would give – you know, the home crowd in Gainesville would give that team uh, added life. So, yeah, and, and Florida's not a very good defense. So I get it. I understand what you're saying. And I know people are right now in the chat saying, we couldn't run against North Alabama in the first quarter. I don't think the first quarter of that game was representative of what Florida State's offensive line or running game or offense looks like. I think you had a combination of a team that had senior day, a team that had the 2013 team there, a team that Jameis Winston on the sideline, a team that's playing North Alabama between Miami and Florida. I just think I'm not excusing it, but man, and if that was a season opener or if it was just some, I think Florida state runs all over them and we're not having these conversations. I think that it was just a terrible first quarter, but I think you had so many other circumstances. So yeah, man, I think in a game where they're focused and locked in, I think they'll be able to move the ball against Florida's defense. I mean, Florida's defense is not good. 
Um, yeah. So I don't think yeah. Tate has to be uh, incredible for them no, to win this game. I think the frustration from last night stems from, you know, it's an RPO call and you're down 13 to nothing. You might need it in that moment just to wake everybody up. Just like the context of how it all goes down, you're like, you know, that's it's frustrating because you start flat and they throw all the tricks at you. They start with a swinging gate last night and uh, obviously the fake punt hits. But then the second drive where they go up to 13 and they called, you know, four or five more trick plays. And you're like, man, OK, everybody's a little bit flat tonight. Going to need to snap them out of it. You just hate that it gets to that point that you had to snap out of it and probably poor phrasing on my part. But then at, at that point, you have you have an issue, a humongous issue on your hands. It'll be fascinating to document this week, though, Ira, because, again, you're right. Florida State is going against a defense that just doesn't stop people. They just don't. I mean, Mizzou had to settle for a lot of field goals last night, uh, but they scored left and right. And then when the game was on the line, even in a fourth and 17 situation, fourth and 17 and the game would be over. Florida could get the stop. The Gators could not. And that's why they're now five and six. Yeah. And I, you know, and again, I think when you look at this offense, it's going to look different. I do think it's going to look different. And from that standpoint, while I don't want Tate to feel like he's got, this is an audition and this, he's got to go win the job right now in these next two games and be a hero and replace Jordan Travis Heisman trophy contender. I do think that they're going to be able to tailor this offense towards Tate's strengths which are different than Jordan's. And, and Tate has a huge arm. Um, and a couple of those passes last night, and we see him every day at practice, so we know he's got a big arm. But, like, when you see it in a game, there are a few times where he threw the ball last night where it's, man, it's on that receiver or tight end yep. in an instant. And uh, it explodes out of his hand. So those are things, man, you know, it, it, it you know, and again, Jordan's a, good, great, a great college quarterback, but there are angles of the field or dimensions of the field that take can reach that nobody else probably on that roster can reach. And so there, there are some opportunities there and some of those are not high risk throws. So again, I think there are things they could do to open up this offense and really do some really cool things. Um, I'm really excited to see what, you know, Norvell and Atkins come up with. The other thing I would say is those guys, we saw it in the last two and a half quarters of that game. And I think you'll see it again against Florida there are a lot of players who maybe haven't been playing their best in the last few weeks that I think will be feel, you know, like they have to step up. And a lot yep. of times that's what happens in these situations. So I, I, I'll be surprised if Florida State does not play well offensively uh, up there or I down agree. there. Excuse me. Yeah, the number one thing yeah, down there is right. Get Stay in your hole. That's what they need Florida State needs to do is keep them down there. Stay in your hole. No, no disrespect, of course, to uh, anybody who's an alum of that university. But, uh, you know, Tate um, – I think the number one thing you got to do is make sure he's not in a position where he's going to hold the ball a little longer, which is, I think, what you're talking about, the caretaking, if you're Mike Norvell. Save him from himself. That's about the only way you get into trouble here is if you pat the ball, you're waiting for something, you're waiting for something, it's a turnover, Florida has a short field, and that crowd's going nuts. And, you, I mean, this is a wild week, Ira, if you're just looking at it from you know breaking down the game uh, because Florida's going to have a backup quarterback too yeah. uh, because Graham Mertz got hurt last night. So this is a attrition weekend uh, for a team in Florida that's looking to achieve a bowl. Last year they went six and six and they got to a bowl and they lost that bowl game. They're trying to get to six and six and see maybe if they can win a bowl and get to seven and six on the season. Big moment for Florida and for Florida State is to complete the undefeated regular season and keep the college football playoff hopes alive. It's going to be a, a weird week and Thanksgiving week is always kind of convoluted with this game too. But we're going to have all the coverage for you at WarChant.com. Warchant TV. We do have some people to thank that have uh, donated to the program tonight, and we appreciate their support here on Warchant TV. FSU fan 1993. I usually write a longer and more upbeat post, but tonight all I can say is hashtag finish for 13. Prayers for Jordan. Beat UF and Louisville. Thank you, FSU fan. Appreciate that. Thanks. Next up is uh, Robert. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. A credit to the school forever. Please encourage everyone to go to his site and buy what you can. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. J. Trav gear. I'm sure there'll be more of it too um, because he is now going to take on the role of uh, somebody who is very visible on the sidelines, encouraging his teammates down in Gainesville, which Ira, I just hated for him. You know, Jordan's final game against Florida. Now that we know it last year was a magical night for him. That was a Superman night, probably the Superman night right. in Jordan Travis career where everything was falling around him. Offensive line was turning guys loose. Players were dropping passes left and right in the first half. And he put the team on his back and he won that game. But it all started for Jordan. And, and there were a lot of stories about this in the summer. It was the loss two years ago 
in the swamp where Jordan said, no more, we're not doing this anymore. And it would have been great to see him be able to finish it actively on the field, but now he's going to have to finish it on the sidelines as a motivator down in the swamp next week. Yeah. And I think, man, there's a, there's a part of me, you know, that again, this is probably, I don't know, a little poetic, but you know, it's like you could make a case that, that Jordan has got Florida state where they are now. I mean, he really has, he's been a huge part of where they are now. Um, but Jordan's going to be gone after the season. And these guys are going to have to win without Jordan Travis at some point. And so it, it sucks that it's happening now. It sucks the way it's happening. Um, but again, I think that's going to be the message for them is that, you know, it's not always been about just Jordan. It's, you know, he's been the kind of ringleader um, in a lot of ways. But but he one of the things that he's done a great job of, and I think why he's been a really good quarterback, is he has gotten those guys to to rise up around him and play better he's brought put confidence into players like he's helped other players they all like him and again i think he can do that in that role um to where they're not worrying about like you know we can't do it without jordan i mean this is an opportunity for them to show that you know they they're at that point now where they don't need jordan to have that game against them that he had last year against florida or the game two years ago where when they lost that game two years ago is when he got hurt Yep. And he came out and Mackenzie Milton came in and started turning the ball over. That's where the, the league grew. And then Florida State couldn't come back and win it. So, um, yeah, man, I think this is a – I get your point. It would have been kind of poetic closure um, yeah. if he yeah. had gone out on top against them down there. But it may be in a different way if they can win it without him. Well, I mean, he accomplished his mission. You know, if you're talking about seeing it through to fixing the program, he accompl- the mission is accomplished. Jordan, you did it. Like, you did it, 13 – now it's just a matter of can they take it from here, and it starts in a short period of time. Hi, Jenks. Thank you very much. Keep climbing, JT. Thanks for your leadership. Thank you for the contribution. Hi, Jenks. Thirteen. See the number. Of what uh, what you did there, Joshua Stevens. My favorite memory of Jordan was his first pair of touchdowns against Boston College. He signified a bright new day for FSU. I remember thinking, well, that speed's different. We can win with this guy. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think Odell Hagens was keeping notes, Ira, maybe from scout team or something. Interim head coach Odell Hagen says. You know, that guy could help us if maybe I should tell Coach Taggart that this guy could help us. And then it ended up being Odell's call. And he well, said, get in there. <laughs> yeah, it was a combination. I think he I think he asked Kendall, hey, could he help us win? Yeah. And Kendall's like, oh, yeah, he definitely could help us win. Because Kendall was the guy. It's kind of a footnote in history. Kendall Bryles was the one who had recruited him back when he was at another school. And so when Jordan went into the portal, Jordan obviously was interested in Florida State. It's where he would have wanted to go to high school. But Kendall Bros had recruited him out of high school and had that relationship, and he went to Taggart and said, hey, we need to bring this kid in. They bring him in, but Kendall could never convince Willie to put him in a game. And then when Odell took over, he asked him, and Kendall's like, yeah, he can definitely help us win. And, and then we all got to see it against BC. I did not know that, the relationship with Kendall. So there you go, Joshua. I hope you learned something too there. Z-Chan, the official DMD, welcome again. Thank you very much for your contribution. After 24 hours, I'm further convinced of how amazing of a leader in person Jordan Travis is. And that Coach Mike Norvell has created a phenomenal culture. I'm blown away by this team. They make it easy to love them. Yeah, Ira, it's not just the posts of support from Jordan. It's that post where you see Johnny Wilson and Maurice Smith and Bryson Estes in the hospital room last night, shortly after the game was over, to go support Jordan. This is an easy group. They're not, they, they aren't always. You know, maybe it's the omission thing from people who cover the team like us. If you don't hear it, maybe that's because they're not always like yeah. this group. But this last year's group was amazing. There was a lot of kumbaya to it as they march toward 10 wins. This is another group that's fairly easy to cover and root for, right? I mean, even well, as a, even as a reporter. And that was no, 100%. And that was the and we and you know, this is something we've touched on through the years and I, throughout the course of the season. I remember talking to Alex Atkins and and Adam Fuller about it at one of the Monday press conferences about how this team it's so cool the way these guys really cheer for each other and you know and they I think Adam Fuller brought up Norvell he said look that starts with Mike Norvell like he doesn't care about the glory for him he's pouring into them he's pouring into the coaches and that feeds that that energy and it just becomes contagious to where everybody's doing the same thing what was weird about that game and you you touched on earlier the celebration with Lawrence Tofili but that celebration and then the one with Quindarius Jones after the the touchdown in the last play of the game it was incredible, man. And like, you don't have those moments really without what happened to Jordan. You know, yeah, it was exactly. just like, and, 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 and to your point about how likable this team is when Tofield scores, when you watch him go in the end zone, he's looking up at the crowd, right. And he's going to, he's going to blow a kiss to the crowd. 
And then all of a sudden that whole 2013 team is surrounding him. And there are, there's a player, there's a lineman. I, can't, I think it might be Brian Storp. I'm not sure who it is. Who's like waving the other current Florida state players over. Like it was almost like the big brothers were so proud of the little brother for winning a fight or something. And that moment was incredible. And then the last moment, man, I mean, that's just nuts, man. I think it's Liam McCormick. I think a back, a walk on defensive lineman is the one that blocked the kick. And then Quadarius Jones picks it up. And when I was talking to uh, the Bethunes and, and the Deloches today, they were talking about that play about, they didn't even know Quindarius Jones name. They were like, number 16 was not going to let them stop him. Uh, they, they were like, he was not going to let them stop him. And honestly, they brought up CJ Campbell too, which again, I know CJ Campbell's a really good player. I like CJ Campbell, but he had two DBs even with him and he man just ran away from them. And they were saying, they think, man, it was just the passion of doing it for Jordan. You know, so it was, it was, it's, it, it's rare, I think, that you see in the same situation, the same game, where that team was so despondent and everybody's so upset, to where you see them rise up and have those cool moments. Um, it was in a weird way, it was special, even though it's hard to to really embrace that because of what happened two hours earlier. No, uh, it took my breath away. I ran a different way. I mean, you know, thirty years ago, my sister was an undergrad here, and this is where she met my brother-in-law, her husband, that we're about to go see for Thanksgiving, and their three beautiful children. Like it just a lot of our family story started at Florida State, and it was around watching those games on ABC or ESPN or NBC for the game of the century. Like as I was a kid, I can remember being around in, in those moments. And then for me, my personal journey is obviously about 13 years later, I'm an undergrad here, lost decade. It's terrible. The rise back to prominence and 13 was the payoff. It was like, if you waited this long, you're going to see the payoff, but it's another one of those moments. I, I get it that it's on a night that's more sad than anything else. But when you see that through line, like a through line moment like that, where one era of Florida state football contacts the other in such a moment like that. It's just, that's what I'm sure a lot of people in the stands are watching on TV. That's what gets you. That's what fires you up is that it's, it's a passing of the torch or it's an acknowledgement. You don't, and it was organic too, Ira. That's the other thing. It wasn't forced. Uh, That was just a a moment of, of catharsis in a way. Um, it was really cool to see, and, and that group of 13 Knowles obviously is is incredibly special. Uh, wh- what was it, around 50, 50 of them last night or so that made that? Yeah, yeah, it was about that. And, and, and you know, a few of the guys are still playing um, or had games this weekend, Jalen Ramsey and yep. um, some of the other guys as well. But, um, yeah, no, that was amazing. The other thing that was weird about that game, and I don't know, maybe some people in the chat can talk about it, if you guys were at the game. And I don't know if you've talked to people that were at the game, Tom. I got a couple texts from friends during the game who were at the sta- in the stands, who knew Jordan got hurt. They knew it was serious. They knew, you know, obviously got carted off. But, like, because they were in the stands, they didn't see the gruesome nature of the injury. Yeah. And so I don't know if everybody in the stands really grasped how significant it was. Like, I knew they, they knew it was a bad injury, but I don't know if they realized how bad it was. So it was a weird – because even, like, as the game went on, there were different moments. Like, you, you saw the Jameis celebration. You saw the halftime thing. And it's just – it was such a weird night where it was supposed to be a night about all about celebrations, but then you've, you're dealing with this also. And I, I think people weren't really sure how to act. It was just a very strange, the whole thing was very strange. In a few moments, we are going to entertain questions from all of you in the chat right now, about 1150 of you watching Sunday smash here on war Chan TV. We appreciate you being here on war Chan TV, subscribe to the channel. If you want more information this week, we're going to have you covered as Florida state tries to move past the situation that they're in with the injuries to Jordan Travis and more players. Uh, that's something I want to talk about before we go to the break here. Maury Smith had to leave the game last night. Ira, he's been battling all season long. Uh, you saw it just last week against Miami when he went to the locker room early uh, before halftime to receive treatment. Um, he's somebody who was in the hospital room for Jordan Travis last night. I mean, he might have needed a room next door for, with what he's trying to battle through. And Renardo Green, I believe, left the game too and was observed in a sling. Um I don't know if that is uh, confirmed by Florida State or not. I mean, um, I, I saw him in the sling. Yeah, so you know, obviously, you know, these are one of those things. It's not practice where we yeah. – that, that just happened and everybody gets to see it. Uh, what did you notice from Florida State in the other department, beyond Jordan Travis, uh, the under, other players in the injury uh, department? Yeah, that was the thing that stunk about the you know the game. And when you started getting a little bit – just, again, it just felt like everything could, that could go wrong was going wrong from an injury standpoint because not only do you lose Jordan – but as you said, Maurice gets hurt. Darius Washington ended up having to play most of the game at center. 
and he had been starting at tackle. So now you got to bring Bless Harrison, who may or may not be 100%. You know, it's hard to tell. Um, Renardo Green didn't come out after halftime, came back out in street clothes and, a, and, his, and his armors in a sling. Um, he, I saw him pointing, talking to some players, pointing to his shoulder. Um, so, you know, I don't know if that, you know, if it's just maybe a slight dislocation. I don't know. I, mean, I'm, I have no idea to speculate. But, uh, you know, you've seen guys play after have a sh- having a shoulder surgery or shoulder injury. Um, so maybe it's not something that keeps him out too long. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, he seemed to be in good spirits. Um, so I, if that means anything, um, Kalen Deloach was already out. He wasn't, um, you know, he suited up, but didn't play. It was again, funny talking to his parents today. His dad said they were watching Kalen on the sideline and Kalen was getting pretty emotional during a lot of the things that were going on because he couldn't play. And, uh, you know, they were saying like there were a few times during the game where Kalen was going, he kept going to get his helmet, like trying to force his way into the game and they wouldn't let him because he's not 100% from an injury he got last week against Miami. So, um, yeah, I don't know that any of them other than Jordan are long-term problems um, other than the fact that, like you said, Maurice has been dealing with it all along. And Darius does a good job, I think, blocking. His snaps are not as good, I think, in general. Um, and and so um, – you know, that's, you know, that's a challenge, but, but at least you're not uh, up the Creek. I mean, I think he can play there and you do have other guys that can play tackles. So um, it's not ideal. Zari Thomas has been playing incredibly well. I feel mm-hmm. like if you have um, Fentrell Cyphers and Azaria Thomas, Renardo is your best corner, but I think Azaria Thomas, the way he's been practicing lately and playing in games uh, you know, you're again, you're not lost there. Uh, and Miami's going to be, or Florida is going to be playing with a backup quarterback. Who's probably more of a, a little bit more of a running threat. Um, so I, I think they're going to be okay there, but, but yeah, it, it felt for a while. It was like, man, who else is going to get hurt? Yeah. And, uh, Azaria is playing inspired football. I mean, he's, it's on his shoulder right now, the emotion that he's playing with, you know, the, the broadcast mentioned Ira that they were trying to limit Trey Benson last night. The CW broadcast was talking about that as Lawrence Tofili was in for a lot of the beginning of the game. I'm guessing that that had to have been, and, and this is the speculation part because he played a lot more afterwards. I'm, I'm guessing that they were just trying to stay away from him this weekend but he clearly was available if needed and he was needed last night and played through a lot also took a shot to the ribs out of bounds too he did yeah he did and i don't can't remember if he came back in or not but he seemed to be okay like afterwards so so hopefully that's just a soreness issue we'll be back in 15 seconds on sunday smash presented by state farm agent russ Voorhis. here is his little message to you all Contact Russ Boris for an auto quote today. Time to talk Shopify. A couple years ago, I wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you guys. But I had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling yay sausage shirts and it's so easy. All because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify is the only tool you'll need to grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point-of-sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. So you'll sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I really love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, now to grow your business no matter what stage of the game you're in. Shopify.com slash Warchant. Want expert service in the insurance field? State Farm agent Russ Voorhis is your guy. Thank you to everybody, actually. We should do this. Thank you to everybody who has signed up uh, through RussVorhis.com or by calling one of those numbers at the bottom of the screen. I was one of the people, Ira, that when he was at Hotel Indigo for the Miami game a week ago, he said, my assistant calls me, my partner calls me, and, and I know from my own experience that Warchant people have signed up in droves. There's a lot of business coming to Russ uh, from the community out there. So thank you for your support. And uh, Ira, again, you've you've been talking shop with Russ over the years, and you know that his service and his personal touch is second to none. 
yeah, what was the old the the guy was like? I'm not just a the owner of the company. I'm a client. The Hair Club for Men. I, I'm not the owner of Russ Warriors, but I'm not just a a, a, a a I guess what do you call what do you call when you when you spokesperson or what when the when you an endorser an endorser. I'm not just an endorser. Yeah. I actually, yeah. was a client, and uh, yeah, Russ is a tr- tremendous job. And at the time, I was in a situation where we were looking for health insurance because we didn't. My, I was going to be leaving the Democrat to come to War Chant. Mm-hmm. But right around the same time, Kim ended up going to work for the state. So that worked out. So we ended up switching to her plan. So we didn't need Russ, but man, he was super helpful through that process. Could not have been more helpful. And then when I told him, Hey, we, it worked out. Kim got a job with the state. He couldn't have been nicer about it. And so, um, yeah, no, we certainly recommend them. And, and uh, if you get him on the phone, he'll talk a little Florida state sports with you. Cause he's a huge Noel fan. So much to talk about this week. Um, you know, the negative and then the positive, but the positive is Florida State's 11-0 and and their goals are still in front of them. There's going to be a lot of conversation, too, and a lot of anger, I'm sure, on Tuesday night. Uh, but there's uh, two more games, you know, that in Florida State's immediate future where they can write the script, and it's going to be fascinating to document. So let's take a look at some of the questions uh, in the final 20 minutes or so of Sunday Smash. Thank you all for being here. Again, under the circumstances, I feel strange, but hit the thumbs up button underneath the video just to help us find more Florida State fans. We appreciate it. I wish you could change the icon to something different than a thumbs up, just like maybe like a hello, like a hello wave or something, because this is not a great night. Uh, Gator Kirk, I think we see a different type of offense in the running and passing game with Tate at quarterback, which makes it harder for opponents to prepare. What is your opinion? Yeah, I mean, uh, the lack of familiarity, the tape on Tate, I, I don't know, Ira, that last week teaches you much. Maybe Florida looks at Louisville from last year more than they look at last week against North Alabama, but that that is a, an advantage for Florida State on offense. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a good point. Um, now, Florida's got the same thing because they've got their quarterback switch. Yep. Um, so I think that's accurate. Um, I think they're, they're, you know, the big thing I would look out for for Mike Norvell to do from a protection standpoint is, you know, Tate's not going to be as elusive as Jordan. And so you may need to max protect more. You may need to help out a little bit um, to just make sure he's getting a clean pocket because Jordan Travis – not only is he incredibly elusive, but he also has a tremendous awareness. You know, he could feel the pressure. Um, and, you know, in a, in a limited sample size last night, Tate didn't seem to have quite the same awareness. Now, obviously, he didn't have a week with the ones. He was thrown into an impossible situation, uh, you know, in that in that game. But, um, you know, I think they'll, they'll probably need to do a little bit to help him out. And like we talked about earlier, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. But, yeah, I think um, – yeah, I, I – if they, I think there are a lot of things they can do with Tate that will create major problems for Florida. Yeah, I think – let's see if you agree with this, Ira. I think the verticality in the offense, yeah. that would be the thing you're going to see more of, downfield shots. That's Tate's game more more than it is Jordan. So you think that they're going to be more downfield shots this week uh, against Florida? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely going to be those opportunities. And, again, like, you know, you've gotten Keon back and Johnny back and Jaheim caught a deep ball the other day. Like, there are – um, you know, you have those weapons available. This is, you know, there have been times this season where you didn't have them. You do have them. I think now this is a couple of games in a row where we've seen Bandravius Jacobs come up with big catches down the field. Um, so yeah, I think that those chances are there, but also, I mean, I've watched Florida play run defense and they're not very good at run defense. So I think this is a game where, uh, if you get this offensive line on the same page, I think they can have some success. I think they'll be focused given this situation. It's fascinating too. It's an intangible. You, you can't you can't go to Pro Football Focus or Sports Info Solutions about this, Ira. But the idea that you know Jordan will bail us out if we make a mistake is is gone and out the window. So inspiration and sharpness, uh, attention to detail, it, it's definitely possible. It'll be fascinating to see next week. It is a night kick, so it's going to be a strange atmosphere and a hostile one for Florida State to try and complete the dream of a twelve and zero regular season. Uh, Z Chan, I see, has a question, and uh, he says, "Do you all believe?" Coach Mike Norvell will continue to only attract and retain players with a similar mentality. Seems to me that he wants to retain that type of family environment. I don't know uh, as much as our Michael Langston or Matt Lasser do in terms of the recruiting department, but Ira, from the interviews I see for Florida State commits and Florida State prospects who visit campus, you know everybody's going to go after the Jeremiah Smiths of the world. So I'm talking about a lot of the players that are foundational players, the four stars at different positions. It does seem like Mike Norvell has a type of player. Like he is trying to, he's not just looking at 40 times. It it looks like they do vet what they bring into their program pretty carefully. I think there's two sides of it. hundred percent. I agree. Um, And I'll just tell a quick anecdote. I may have shared it before, but, but I think it's really important. Um, 
last in this past year when they were recruiting offensive linemen transfers. There was a guy that came in as a transfer from another school that a lot of us thought Florida State was going to get through the portal as an offensive lineman. And after the visit, basically we were we got the wind that Florida State was not really as interested in him anymore. Hmm. Started asking around, found out the reason why was because they didn't like the way the young man interacted with his mother. Like they didn't like the way he didn't hold the door for her, was not super respectful of her. And they, they looked at it like, well, if you're not going to be real respectful of your mother, then how respectful are you going to be of your teammates and your coaches and your teachers and everybody else? So that's just a little sample of that. They do take all of that into effect. At the same time, though, yeah, I mean, it's not all just about choir boys, but I think they, they're not going to take guys that are going to be a, a real problem. And then I think in the article I wrote about, you know, and we've all written about stuff like this before, but Jarian Jones, I wrote the feature on him that ran on the site yesterday. People can still find it on the site. One of his lines in that story, in that quote was, "This this culture is this the the foundation's not rocky anymore. Like it's solid. We have a standard. We hold everybody to the standard, and you're either going to live to that standard or you're going to get gone." Is the way he phrased it, and I thought that was exactly right, man. So it's it's it's. You don't think it's not all about getting choir boys, but there's got to be something there that's redeemable that you see potential in them being a good teammate, good, good citizen. And then you surround them with a team that's filled with that. And they all realize the importance of that. And I think that's when things are going in the right direction. Personal speculation on my part, but I think you, they're more harsh on transfers than they are high school kids because they're later in life. They're older. They've seen some things. And and I know speaking in, kind of quasi off the record, so I won't say who said what, but with people around the program, that they push them. They, they're proud of how much they push and vet potential transfers. Like they, they make them uncomfortable when they get on campus with the, the types of direct right. conversations they have because they want to see how the kids respond. And it's, it's not just the mantra of within a 60-minute game for Mike Norvell – they push you to see, all right, what kind of dude are we bringing in here? So the vetting is is for real. In every fan base, in every fan base, and probably every media outlet, like every you you hear stuff like this. A lot of schools, everybody wants to believe that their players are great kids, and that they're you know they've got the their coaches care about the great kids, and other people don't. They care about church or whatever. But where I think Norvell does, though, I think he he does put a value on that it's not just about being a good kid. It's about like, it's about the results on the field. Like if you have those, you know, again, we, in our workplaces, people, we all have workplaces. We're not all football coaches, but you have, if you have somebody who's good at their job, but everybody hates them and they're a pain in the ass and nobody wants to work with them. That's a problem. So it's just the same way in a sports team. It's not only about like that Mike Norvell is, is, you know, the pure and clean coach and other coaches aren't. I just think he sees the value in it because it is a value as you're building a team. Yeah. And it was so critical to, you couldn't get one wrong for about a year and a half to two years there. If you were Mike Norvell, you couldn't get one decision wrong because it was so fragile. But now it's your point with Jerry on said, the foundation's there. So it's either, it's almost like an immune system. You're either going to accept well, what, what enters or you're going to spit re- it out. Or you're going to spit it the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> Florida man in Texas. Uh, thank you for the contribution says the CW has a better broadcast experience than the all cheeks network. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, can we get them when we're not on ABC? Well, short of them showing the injury replay like it was uh, a tack glasses commercial on ACC Network as frequently as that happens, I thought it was okay. Like, the broadcasters are fine. Um, I, having watched it last night, Ira, the, the other problem in Tallahassee, I think it's just the Tallahassee station specifically, but there's also an echo. There, I mean, it's it's got – I mean, it's Jefferson Pilot energy. It's exactly what it is. It's just rebranded. Yeah, yeah uh, that's what, it's what it was. It was the Jefferson Pilot – part of the contract they've just moved it to that network and uh yeah i i still haven't gone back and watched the tv broadcast but i did we have monitors in the press box so i saw how, how many times i mean i i only watched it one time i they kept showing it. i was like i cannot watch that again i'm not watching that again and uh i'm sure a lot of people at home were not thrilled about it either it was i think it was at least four montages that included it like you know here's the first half summary and you're like really you're not just gonna show them in a cart because that that's probably all you need to do uh, so whoever the director was, I'm sure is getting a stern talking to about that. Ian, no matter what happens, we cannot get all negative about the season. It's already better than last season, and the future looks bright. There's no doubt there. Uh, a lot of players last night, Ira, that had uh, bright and shining moments. Uh, we could lead with Brock Glenn, but everybody would do that, so I won't. Sam Singleton, I thought, looked explosive as a running back. Uh, Van Dravius over the middle. I get that's on the other side of a seed from Brock Glenn. 
But that dude, you could tell between the hash marks is where he operates and where he goes to work. Vandravius Jacobs. Uh, Quinn Darius and his yeah. uh, willingness last night. C.J. Campbell. I thought Keziah Holmes played with inspiration last night. What did you see on the field? There's there's a lot of dudes to look forward to watching over the next couple of years. Yeah, there were. And, and uh, you know, there's a play that under the radar that um, Coach Henshaw, I talked to George Henshaw, who writes or does a column with us every week. I met with him today for that piece, and he brought up Jackson West on the on the block on the um, the fake punt. Jackson West is, I mean, he's probably ten yards behind that kid when he gets through the hole, and man, he hawks him down. I mean, the kid had to slow up a little bit because he got to some traffic, but Jackson West chased that dude down after a, being behind t- at least ten yards and just tremendous effort. And again, you know, in a game against North Alabama, and so and he's a backup tight end who really only gets to play mostly on special teams. So it was cool to see that kind of effort as well. So, yeah, I think there were a lot of those kinds of moments. Um, it was good that, you know, some of the young offensive linemen got to play. I thought Jalen Early a little bit. I saw him look pretty good. And they've been excited about him as a, as a, as a promising young offensive lineman. Um, so, yeah, I think there were a lot of those things. Um, and, you know, I look forward to going back and watching it and trying to find more of it. Buddy Kennedy with a contribution to the program. Thank you very much. It looks like it's a super sticker variety. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Thanks, Wesley. Buddy. Says, love, JT. Thank you for everything. Well, Wesley, we appreciate that. Go ahead. On that note, um, I tweeted, if, if people, if you're on Twitter or X, whatever it is, I don't have it in front of me. Maybe Ben wants to pull it up. Um, I tweeted the address. Um, some people asked if they could send cards to Jordan Travis. And uh, the athletics department is going to, uh, if people send cards to Florida State's athletics department, they can, uh, they'll get them there and, um make sure that Jordan and the family get them. So I'm sure there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands of them. So don't feel like you have to do it. And he'll be okay. But uh, if you do want to express your gratitude to Jordan Travis, there it is right there. It's uh, just send it to Jordan Travis, Florida State Athletics, 403 Stadium Drive, Tallahassee, Florida, 32304. And, um, you know, I, they they assured us that Jordan and his family will get all those cards. One more request from you, Director Ben, if you don't mind just copying that text and pasting it in the chat so that people might be able to more easily take it electronically. Um, but if you can copy that information, appreciate that. I wanted to ask you, Ira, just about the uh, the introductions last night for senior night. You know, Mike Norvell had already gotten out in front of it before the list was released that there might be some guys walking that I fully expect are going to be back next year and, and maybe some guys that don't that may be moving on to the next level, the next chapter of their career. I didn't see Mastromano's name on the initial roster. Maybe I missed it. And then he walked. What What do you make of that? That's a That's a really good punter that Florida State has enjoyed the services of the last few years. Yeah, I think it's it's not a guarantee that he's leaving because he walked. Because like you said, they they were pretty adamant when they put out the list. They didn't. They they don't really want to put out a list in this current environment because you know people will assume okay, well that guy's walking, so he must be leaving. Because uh, you know there were some underclassmen or guys that with at least one year of eligibility left that walked. Um, so it's not a guarantee. There are guys last year, Demetri Emanuel and some others that walked last year that came back this season. Um, but it's just, I think a lot of cases it's just in case. And, and in a lot of cases it's, they're not going to find out what their draft prospects are until December. And yeah. so they get some early feedback a little bit, but they really don't get really good feedback until December. So if you're a player who thinks you might be able to go in the NFL right now, go ahead and walk and then see what you find out in December, and you'll then make a decision whether you want to come back or not. Uh, but, yeah, with the deal with Mastromano is I, I think they put out the list, and soon after, I don't know if it was a miscommunication or if Alex was like, hey, by the way, I changed my mind. I'm not sure of the details, but it was determined after they sent out the list that, yeah, he he actually is going to walk. It wasn't a last-minute thing, but they didn't send an email out or anything. They just basically came and told a few of us at the game, before the game, by the way, he wasn't on the list, but he is going to participate. So, um, I don't think it's anything alarming, but Alex Mastromano also is an older guy. He came here as an older football player, um, had playing, had been playing sports in Australia. He, I don't believe he was 17 or 18 when he came here. I think he's probably a little bit older than that. And so now he's been here for five years. So he may just be like, you know what? I'm college life. Isn't really uh, what I want to be doing anymore. So it wouldn't be a shock. They do have Mac Chimeno who you've seen in practice yep. who has a tremendous leg. I know they're excited about him. Um, he's not an Australian punter, but he, but he's got a huge leg. So it wouldn't be a shock to see Alex go, but I also don't know it's 100% done. It's an outlier that he's not an Australian punter. The stats yeah. on that are, are absurd. It used to be a novelty, but now it's is it it's above 60%, I believe. In, yeah, in I, think it, 
I think it is. And Corey brings it up so much. I'm like, dude, are you, you have a problem with it? Like he's, uh, I tease him. He's trying to get, he's going to try to build a wall to keep the Australian punters out because he talks about all he, he just, he's so it's almost like he, I don't know. It's almost like he didn't realize this happened. And then now it's here and yeah. everybody's, you know, there's so many of them, but I mean, it's uh those guys have, they are trained very well for this skill over there. There's a program that trains them and, and they've done really well with it. Corey's going to be leading the picket line. It'll be like uh, you South Park viewers out there. They took our jobs. They took our jobs. Uh, Nick Snyder wants to know, last night, obviously, there was a Jersey retirement and uh, James Winston making the uh, the wall of uh, the ring of honor, I should say. Uh, will Jordan get his Jersey retired? Has he had that kind of career? If Irish Ophel is on the small council to make those decisions in the athletic department, what does he decide in, say, the year 2030 or 2031? Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I just think, and again, it's not just the numbers when his numbers are incredible. If you look at again, because he played so long and because he was so much a part of the offense, his numbers are off the charts in a bunch of different categories in the career record books. So you, it's not like you have to explain it, you know, explain away the reasons why, but then when you add in just what he means to the program in this era, yeah, I think, I think, I think he belongs. So I think we got asked on headlines. And I think Jeff and Corey both said they were in favor of it too. So I, I have to imagine that's going to happen. What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, if you have a list of best quarterbacks in Florida State history, right. he, he doesn't make maybe the top three. I think top five is the fringe right around there. But if you're talking about most important quarterbacks in Florida State history, he goes up the list really fast into that the, the stratosphere of the top three because the, the three Heisman Trophy winners for Florida State were either a part of 14 straight years of being ranked in the top four or Jameis Winston took over the reins of a fully formed Jimbo Fisher product, which was with that recruiting staff, the 1.0 of the Jimbo era that was, they were, they were ready. Like and if, nobody and has if, ushered from, from nothing to where they are like Jordan has. Yeah. And if you, and if you catch yourself wondering about that, just think about what these last four years would have been like if Jordan wasn't here. Yeah. I mean, oh. they won eight games in those two years. How many did they win without Jordan? Um, and, and certainly what he's done in terms of just elevating the entire, I mean, he's part of that whole, the whole culture and everything else. It, he is. And, uh, it, you know, I think you said it last week that if they had switched in the Miami game, oh. quarterbacks, you know, sideline for sideline, what happens in that game? You know, and that that's where it just it could be that stark and it could be that quickly because Miami's got a lot of pieces, but they don't have 13. And Florida State did for so many yeah. years and obviously so many wins. Mark, thank you so much for the contribution. They're extremely uh, kind. And he's got words of support for not only – Jordan Travis, and it's tragic for him, but let's also get behind Tate. And I think Noel Nation will do it. I saw a comment from West in the Villages a moment ago saying, who's with me to go make the drive over to Gainesville? I guess, Iron, all the years that you've been covering this rivalry or you've attended it in the past, what's the most crowded you've seen the swamp with Florida State fans in terms of you know percentage that show up? Has it, has it ever been sniffing 60-40 Gators or 50-50? Has it ever been quite that many? 2013 was a lot of Knowles. Um, it was a ton of Knowles because that was not a good Florida team. And Florida State was obviously on their way to a national championship. So there were a lot of uh, tickets that got put on the market and Florida State fans gobbled them up. Um, I'm curious to see what this is going to be this Saturday. They're calling it a sellout. And I'm sure it is a sellout. Tickets are all sold. But you wonder how many Florida fans are going to put those tickets on the secondary market and how many Knowles are going to buy them up um, and, and come over to the game. So we'll see. But um, yeah, because I, you know, I think the allotment is probably around ten thousand. I may have that wrong, but usually I think it's around there um, for the for the schools when you're not rivals. Like if Florida State is hosting Wake Forest or Pittsburgh, there they may get a lot of five thousand seats. But if it's a rivalry game, I think it's usually at least ten. So you got those, and then you got the secondary market, and uh, yeah, I mean, I bet I'm going to guess after the way Florida's they've lost two straight, and even though you know what you don't know, what could be an X factor is they may spell feel like there's a little bit emboldened. They may be emboldened a little bit by the fact Jordan Travis is not going to be available, and the chance to kind of ruin Florida State's season. They may use that as motivation to get in the, the, the camper and head over to Gainesville. But but I have a feeling Florida State fans will be able to get tickets if they want to. One more question about that in a second, but in theory, I was right. Podcast says, I know we got the win, but it sure doesn't feel like it. Jordan Travis deserved better. A true teammate, ambassador for the program, one hell of an old. Thanks for all the coverage, guys. We'll, we appreciate the kind words. Yeah, it was, I mean, uh, Ira, you did the rap from the field after the game. You were in those you know, post-game interviews. 
it's just a strange one to document because yeah, Florida state did score the final 58 points of the game, but it didn't feel like a W in the truest sense of the word. Yeah. And the one thing I, I did want to add this, um, cause you know, a couple of people have tweeted at me, you know, like why, why are we asking the players about Jordan? Cause you know, Jarian Jones, I think he, after he answered one question about Jordan and the emotions, great, tremendously well. Dennis Briggs did as well. Then when somebody asked him a follow follow up question, he was like, you know what? I really don't want to keep talking about Jordan just because it was emotional. It was raw. Um, and then Lawrence Tofili, I actually asked Lawrence about, um, and somebody tweeted at me like, why leave him alone? Some guys want to express like their feelings and their emotions. And and so, and again, Jarian and Dennis Briggs, their first comments were incredible. So I want to give Lawrence an opportunity if you want to do that. He was like, no. Nah. And he was cool about it. He was just like, no, nah, I'd rather not talk about Jordan right now. So that, but that gives you an idea of they were in the same place. They had just won a game. They had scored 58 straight points. They had just won a game. They improved 11 to 0. They've won 17 games going back to last season. They're one step further to getting to the college football playoff. And even they were struggling, you know, with their emotions afterwards. And so it's, um, yeah, it was a, it was a weird night. Um, I'm curious how they, how this practice went. And when we talked to Mike Norvell and the assistant coaches tomorrow, that's one of the questions we'll ask them is how the players responded and handled it. And I think that'll give us a good indication of kind of where they're at. Oh, there will be turning of the page tomorrow in those press conferences. There has to be. Um, you, you you can't wallow for long. I mean, I'm sure that was the message before practice tonight, and um, I'm interested to hear what Coach Norvell has to say, what Alex Atkins has to say about that side of the football and, and how the team is is handling what the, the hand that they've been dealt. Because, Ira, the injury luck for Florida State wasn't great before last night, and it just – this has not been an ideal year. You're testing your depth in a way that, you know, nobody would ever draw up, but Florida State is still 11-0. And to discuss that, you know, you can check your podcast feeds, Warchant TV, uh, right around midnight they post. But uh, Wake Up Warchant, Corey Clark, Aslan Hadravandi will be available on your feeds tomorrow at 1 o'clock. The Jeff Cameron Show will be live on this channel. And uh, I wonder, Ira, in the Wayback Machine from nine years ago, there was once a phrase uttered by uh, our colleague Jeff that Sean McGuire needs our help. I wonder, and that the signs made it to game day uh, that particular week for Florida State and Clemson. I wonder if Tate Rodemaker needs our help will be the mantra of the week. But if we're just talking about who's equipped for the fight, this isn't the same as that. This is the last question of the night. This isn't the same situation as that, right? We think Tate is more equipped for this fight than Sean McGuire was uh, with 24 hours notice and uh, playing Clemson. Yeah, that's the big difference. Is And in, in where that thing got so haywire and why Jimbo was so mad about the administration deciding, you know, it was originally decided, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, that Jameis was going to miss the first half of the game. Then it was like Friday night, <clears throat> excuse me, that they decided, no, he's going to miss the full game. Well, you know, man, you could have at least put together a game plan for Sean McGuire. Their game plan, I think, in that game was, Sean, just don't get us killed in the first half. And then Jameis is going to come in in the second half. Well, now you've taken that away in less than 24 hours. This will, yeah, this will be completely different. And again, like we talked about it earlier, but – I think the 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 challenge, a little bit of a challenge with, with Tate is going to be, it's like being a reliever versus a starter. You know, some guys are, are better as relievers. Some guys are better as starters. Some guys don't. Some guys can do both. Some guys can't. But the difference is, you know, he will have a week to think about it and kind of, um, and that can be good and it could be bad. But I do think um, from a game plan standpoint, it's a huge advantage because they can build a plan around him, what he likes, and, uh, and, and, and the, all the players will have a week to kind of, you know, figure out how they can help Tate. And, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about, it. I'm excited for this team. I mean, as, as weird as that sounds to say, um, it's such a tragic event, Jordan, not getting to play his last few games. Um, but I, I am excited for them. This is a, you know, this is a chance for them to show what the program is really about. They talk all the talk. We hear it all the time and here's a chance for them to, to kind of show it. I'm not one to go to the mattresses for uh, for one Jimbo Fisher, but I got to get this off my chest just because that night, Ira, after the 24, the win in overtime over Clemson, it wasn't Jimbo's decision to sit Jameis for the whole game. And athletic director Stan Wilcox was in the room, and he didn't make himself available to the media to explain, or at least, even though it, may, it might not have been his call, it wasn't. It was, it was the interim president Garnet Stokes, but yes. Stan was the AD, so he was 
part of it. And he's in the room. Just don't be in the room. What the hell's wrong with you? And and so Jimbo had to ask answer three questions about that before he could talk about the game. So well, maybe it, biting, biting a hole in his in his lip, probably. He was. I mean, <laughs> now it's kind of funny, but in the moment, like, wow, you're leaving him in the trenches, taking the grenades uh, to steal a line for wedding crashers. Uh, what's coming up on the website in the next uh, 24 hours uh, plus, Ira? This a week, lot, this is, uh, man, a yeah. lot. Yeah, we actually. Um, I'm, I was in the middle of putting up a couple of recruiting stories when we stopped to do this. Um, so we've got a couple of recruiting stories. One about Charles Lester, the five-star cornerback who was here this weekend. He's got some really positive things to say about some high-profile recruits that are out there. The Florida State's uh, still trying to land for the 2024 class. So that'll be up first. Um, I think um, we also, there was a 2025 four-star running back, one of the top running backs in the country at IMG Academy, who was here this weekend. Uh, Matt has a story on him. Uh, we also have a look-ahead story, looking at preview, like an early preview of Florida, what, what the challenges they present. And then, uh, yeah, more kind of coverage going into game week as uh, we start tomorrow with those press conferences. So uh, keep checking more chant frequently because we're going to have to kind of uh, push a lot of these through quickly. And then Henshaw's house, like I said, will be coming up uh, later in the day on Monday as well. Time to turn it over to the uh, Beat the Gators mantra. This has been a rough 24-plus hours for Florida State as a program, but that game's going to happen, and it's coming up next Saturday night. We can't wait to document Every step of the way as Florida State looks to go again, as I said, 12-0 and for the third time since 2013. Man, what a crazy ride back to the top of Florida State. Let's see if they can finish the job. Thank you to, to uh, Director Ben behind the scenes for uh, the proceedings and making sure that uh, we got information out, like where you can reach out to Jordan Travis if you want to well-wish him over the athletic department and all the things that he does behind the scenes more than that. FSU fan 1993, Robert D. Hijinks. Joshua Stevens, Z-Chan, Florida Man in Texas, Ian, Buddy, Wesley, Mark, and in theory, I was right. Thank you all very much for your contributions. To everybody who participated in the chat, thank you. Of course, thank you to our sponsor, State Farm Agent Russ Forhis. For Ira, I'm Tom. Stay tuned to War Chant TV for the latest on Florida State and Florida and more in the recruiting realm. Good night, everybody. <laughs>